We are super excited this weekend to have a guest preacher with us. Ronaldo Ganav is with our partner church, You Flourish, which is located in the city of Milwaukee. Born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Ronaldo moved to the United States when he was just 11 years old. He graduated from Penn State and completed a Master's of Divinity from Baptist Bible Seminary. That's located in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. From there, he spent eight years pastoring a church in the suburbs of Philadelphia before he relocated to his wife's home state of Wisconsin. He and Kelly, who oversees the children's ministry at You Flourish, have been in Milwaukee since 2018. They've got two beautiful boys, Judah and Titus. Ronaldo loves Jesus. He is committed to the word of God. He is also passionate about many things. Those would include his family, preaching, multi-ethnicity, sweetened condensed milk, coffee, and soccer. Ronaldo's going to join us after our time of worship, and when he comes out, I invite you to join me in extending a warm Northbrook welcome to him. Well, that was kind. Thank you, Northbrook. Um, Even if you don't know me, I know you. And we, as a church, are incredibly grateful and thankful for our partnership with you, for your generosity, for your kingdom-mindedness. And we are ever aware that we would not be able to do what we do without you. And so I want to lead off with a thank you and how grateful we are for you. It's an honor to open up the word of God with you this morning. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to jump into our time together. Glorious God, we, we rush into your presence. God, this is not a formality. It is a cry for help. Lord, it is a, uh, uh, it is a declaration of our need and our dependence on your spirit to do what only he can do. Spirit, I appeal to you as the one who moves in a way that no one knows where you come from and where you go. I ask for your presence uh, in each person that is here this morning. Lord, in your holy and glorious name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Uh, The preacher had just finished preaching, and he was greeting his church at the back when the critic approached. And the the critic said, I'm an astronomer, you know. And as far as I'm concerned, all of Christianity can be summarized in the words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The preacher replied, I'm just a humble theologian. But as far as I'm concerned, all of astronomy can be summarized in the words, twinkle, twinkle, Little star, how I wonder what you are. It's a little more complicated than that, isn't it? 
astronomy is a little bit more complicated than that. Christianity is a little bit more complicated than that. Life is a little bit more complicated than that. And though I want to join the, the, the singing of a magical snowman from Disney's Frozen and, and sing out, this will all make sense when I am older. Even though I get older, things seem to get more and more complicated. Sometimes that complication is external. It's out there. And I think I thought I knew. I thought I had this figured out. But I guess I don't. Sometimes it's internal and there's a confusion. There's a battle. There's a collision inside. But whenever I'm in one of those situations, I, 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 I think of crossing a brook and how I want to cross a brook. There's turbulent waters, there are slippery places, there's danger lurking. But what I got to do is I got to find firm footing. And in our turbulent waters, in turbulent places, in, 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 in earthquakes, Paul, in our message today, gives us firm footing. He gives us a place to stand, a way to walk in turbulent waters. And he knew turbulent waters. Paul knew difficulty. And in, the, in his relationship with the Corinthian church, with his relationship with the church in Corinth, they had major explosions. He knew them well. He spent a year and a half of his time with them. And now he's writing letters back and forth and there's all kinds of divisions. The whole thing is divided up and some of them are like, no dude, I'm with Peter. And some of them are like, Paul, I'm with you. And others are like, I'm with Apollos. And he's like, you guys are insane. There's, there's, there's immorality raging. There's all kinds of discrepancies. There's all this stuff going on. And he today is going to walk us through how to live that out. 1 Corinthians 9, picking up at verse 19. Would you read with me? Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He opens up there in verse 19. I am free. I am free. Those are big words. Let's start with what those words do not mean. I want to, I want to start with some of us are old school disciples of Chris Christopherson and Janis Joplin. And we know that freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Some of us 
are old school disciples of American individualism. And I'm free means you cannot tell me what to do. I am a law into myself, unto myself. And for me to live free means no one gets to speak into my life. There's an entire book of the Bible devoted to people that just did what was wise in their own eyes. And it's disaster after disaster. It's catastrophe after catastrophe. That is not, in fact, freedom. Well, then what is it? What is freedom? My working definition of freedom today is this. To be free is to be empowered to function in the manner that you were divinely designed to function. God created you. God made you. God architected you. And sin comes and shackles you. And these barnacles kind of get built up. And you don't know actually how to live free. But Paul got free. How did he get free? God loved him. So drastically, so incalculably, God loved them in his brokenness and sinfulness that God invaded human history. God came into human history. God became a human being and lived, lived life perfectly, tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted, but with much greater, much more intense degrees, but flawless, without ever sinning. And here's what he does with that righteous life that he lived out. He said, here, you have it. You take my righteousness. I'll take your wickedness. I'll die in your place. And Paul begins to reflect on this free gift that he receives by trust, by faith. And Paul is reflecting on that. And his mind is exploding because he's saying, somehow, somehow, when Christ died, I died with him. And when he was buried, I was buried with him. When he rose, I rose with him to a new life. I am unshackled. I am free. I am free from sin. I am free from all of this. I'm free from you. I don't have any obligations to you. In fact, God placed his spirit. Jesus put his spirit inside me. I'm free. Now, here's what's mind-boggling. Look what he does with this freedom. He says, though I am free, I make myself a slave to everyone. Do you see that? He takes his freedom and binds himself. He says, I'm free from all. But what I do is I bind myself to all. I put myself under the subjection of all. I do this. Why? Where does he get that idea from? 
Christ freed him. Christ indwells him. Look at the mind of Christ. Peek with me at Philippians chapter 2. Paul says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Imagine that. That we would relate with one another with the mind of Christ. Here's the mind of Christ. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's Jesus. He is God. Deserving of all worship and praise. He's God. But instead of using that for his own advantage, he humbles himself. He makes himself a servant. And Paul says, this is the very one who freed me. I am going to take on his mindset. I'm going to put that on. The spirit of Jesus inside me is going to propel me, catapult me into that very mindset. That's what leads Paul to go, though I am free, that's my reality. That's who I am. Though I am free, I make myself bound to all. I'm free from all, but I make myself bound to all. Why? To win as many as possible. You see a lot of word, see that little word to? I love that word. To. It's so little. It's just, it's like two letters. To. Right? It's actually smaller than it's like friend, the number two. Like T-W-O has more letters, right? It's smaller than the adverb two as like also two, two. It's so little, but it's little like an ant is little, right? An ant is little, but it can carry a lot of weight, right? An ant can put on like 50 times its weight on its shoulder and walk, right? This little word two carries a lot of weight because Paul has just said something mind-breaking. I'm free from all, but I make myself a slave to all. And then we climb into this little word too and we see the motor that is propelling this forward. We see the engine that is propelling this train. Why does he do this? In order to win as many as possible. He is so committed to Christ. He is so committed to the kingdom of God. That he says, though I am free, I am unbound to you, I put myself under you. I willingly, voluntarily put myself in that place. And that mindset is shockingly 
different than the mindset of the Corinthians, the people that he's talking to, the church that he's talking to. They have an entirely different way of thinking. This is how they think. I just shared with you how Paul thinks. Here's how they think. A question had arisen. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now about food, sacrifice to idols. We know we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. You saw Paul's mindset. Here's their mindset. I know. I have knowledge. I'm right. I know what to do. Paul goes, I'm free. I make myself subject. They go, but I'm right. I'm correct. I'm more knowledgeable. I know. And Paul says, knowledge makes you arrogant. Love edifies. Knowledge puffs you up. Knowledge inflates. Knowledge makes your head go... Love builds up. Love edifies. And Paul is saying, in your knowledge, even though you might be right, you are acting in knowledge, lacking love. And you know what you're doing? You're destroying. You are wrecking. You're annihilating the sister for whom Christ died. Jesus died for her. But in your knowledge, you bulldoze right over her. Your brother for whom Christ died, he thinks different. He doesn't have this knowledge that you have. And you bulldoze right over him because knowledge makes you arrogant and love edifies. He is, he is not talking about the abandonment of knowledge. He's not saying let's just throw truth out the window. That's not who he is. But the question is who's driving this? Is it knowledge or is it love? Knowledge makes you arrogant. Love edifies. So Paul puts all this together and he says, I act different. Though I belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Listen, the entirety of our American culture is just a field of landmines. Wherever you step, things explode. And we keep acting in knowledge. I don't know about you, but I have this predictable, annoying tendency to just know more than you. Every time we argue, I go, but I know more than you. I know better. Instead of that, instead of acting in love, we use our knowledge to just steamroll over people. Paul says, be different. They say, what does that look like? Verse 20, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. 
Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Paul's Jewish. Paul's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul's not denying that. Paul can live in that situation. In fact, Paul, who goes out of his way in the book of Acts to say, nope, it's just a gospel. Nope, it's just a gospel. Don't add to it. Don't add to it. Right? When people, when he comes into Jewish territory, people start saying, Paul, people are afraid that you're going to tell them to stomp on the law, follow these rituals. And he says, okay. He becomes like them. He does not use knowledge to bulldoze past them. To those under the law, to not only Jews, but those who had converted that are under the law. He says, I, I'm not under the law, but to windows under the law, I live that way too. I become that way. You see, the law is not a problem, right? Sometimes we think the law is bad or the law is against the gospel. The, the, the problem of the law is not that the law is bad. It's that the law is external. The law is outside you. The law can tell you what to do, but it cannot help you to do it. That's why God made a promise through Jeremiah saying, listen, I'm going to put the law inside you. I'll put the law within you. That's the new covenant. And Paul says, because that's my reality, I don't have any beef with the law. I'm good with the law. And if you're under the law, so am I. That's great. To, to, to those not having the law, verse 21 tells us, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To those that are outside the law, Paul goes, the law doesn't save anyway. So I will become like one that is not outside the law, except I will be under the law of Christ. Here's what it means to be free. It means to be educated at the feet of Jesus. It means to be anchored securely in his salvation. It means to walk in the presence of his spirit. It means to mimic his tenderness, his gentleness, his courage. It means to walk in his prayer life. It means that your inner man is, is, is locked on the North Star, which is Jesus. It means to pledge your undivided and indivisible allegiance to Christ and Christ alone. I'm free. I make myself a slave to win as many as possible. Paul found something greater listen i have this friend and we got so much in common like a lot like we love art we love basketball we love jesus but we actually met arguing like before i knew his name i, I was like no 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 right because even though we have all these similarities we got college football discrepancies I went to Penn State University, and he grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. And way back when, there was this unique rivalry about who would go down as the winningest football coach of all time. He picked his coach, and I picked mine. And it meant that we were arguing all the time. And then one day, news broke about the most vile, disgusting, repulsive scandal I have ever heard of in sports. And my school was the one at fault. 
after the initial shock wore off, I sent him a message. And I said, every argument you and I have ever had about college football, you win. And he replied back. He said, Ronaldo, no one wins. You see, we had this, these irreconcilable differences. And then something vastly greater arrived. At the arrival of something vastly greater, our differences diminished. When it came to the well-being and the protection of children and the innocent, we were in lockstep. And our little discrepancies evaporated. You know, that's actually happened before. There's actually two disciples that you actually don't hear much about. One was named Simon the Zealot, and the other one was named Matthew the Tax Collector. Politically irreconcilable differences. Simon was a zealot. That means as an Israelite, he had no room in his existence for Roman oppression. Rome must die at all costs. Be it sword, whatever it took, he was willing to give his life to end Rome. Matthew was a tax collector. That means he was an Israelite working for Rome, taking taxes from the people of Israel and handing them to Rome. Every paid tax, a reminder that you are not free and you are oppressed By someone else. Matthew was a tax collector. Simon was a zealot. And you know what's insane? You actually never hear them argue in all of scripture. You see the disciples have other arguments. But this politically irreconcilable thing evaporates. Do you know why? They found someone greater. They had greater allegiance. There was allegiance to Christ and Christ alone. They met the Messiah and all the other things just faded away. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. Paul says, you got knowledge. I know. You have knowledge that's good. But you lack love. And you impose your knowledge on those who don't have it. And you bulldoze them on the way. To the weak, I became weak. The Psalms tell us, Psalm 41 says, How blessed is the one who considers the weak. How blessed is the one who takes the time to contemplate the reality of the marginalized. The one in a difficult position. Paul says to those that are like that in difficult situations, I become like them so as to win the weak. He wraps it all up in this. I have become all things to all people so that by 
all possible means, I might save some. Listen, the, 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 the commission is all the nations. The commission is go out into all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. I have seen a glimpse of heaven. And every tribe, tongue, nation, and people are there. And Paul says, I will become all things to all people for that reason. That The goal is salvation. And whatever obstacle is between you and me... Whatever hindrance between you and me, you stay there. You stay there. I'll jump. I'll step over it. I'll climb over the obstacle. You stay there. Because what I want for you is the gospel and the gospel alone. Because of that, I'll make the sacrifice. I'll lay myself down in order to bring as many as possible. To the kingdom. Paul's a chameleon. He adjusts. He adapts. He's a chameleon. You ever seen a chameleon? A chameleon is always a chameleon. It doesn't change into like peanut butter or spark plug. It remains a chameleon. But it adapts. It changes. As is necessary for his surroundings. And Paul is so fixated. His mind is so fixed on the eternal kingdom of Christ. That he said, whatever it takes, I'll lay it down. My king laid it down for me. And I will imitate. I will follow his footsteps. You don't have to jump. I'll jump. All things to all people so that by all means I might save some. Verse 23. I do all this. Here's why he does all of this. For the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I do all of this for the sake of of the gospel, all that I just described to you is his posture because of the gospel that he might share in it, that he might be a co-participant in it. There is good news of a coming kingdom and Paul says, I want in. I want to be a part of that. And here's what it means to be a participant in that. It means to not bulldoze with knowledge, but to allow love to edify. How? By becoming all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. Though I am free, I will bind myself to you in order that you might be saved. That's what it means to be a participant in the gospel. That's what it means. Are you in? Would you pray with me? Lord God, my God, Lord, your love for me, so vast, so large, so drastic. Oh God, that you would become a human being who would subject himself to ridicule and mockery and suffering and a gruesome death. 
Lord, to purchase, to acquire my freedom, to wash, to cleanse. My God, you've given us your spirit. Lord, I ask that it would be your spirit that fuels, that propels, that so fills us. So as to change our mind, that we would have the mind of Christ. That though I am free, I make myself subject to all, so that I might win some. Will you do that in us? In your holy name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Pastor Ronaldo.